podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The reasons Chelsea have not sacked Graham Potter yet and Mason Mount contract talks on hold. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another edition of Let's Talk Chelsea. Hope you're doing well, hope you're keeping safe on this Monday. Two big stories to speak about today. The future of Graham Potter, the reasons he has not been sacked as Chelsea's head coach yet after that defeat against Southampton on Saturday. And then, of course, Mason Mount's future. So a lot to get into once again, as there always is regarding Chelsea, particularly during a difficult period. Um, so we'll get into that stuff today. If you're new around here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Do give us a positive rate and review. It really does help out. Um, uh, son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min podcast network. So my Southampton review went out yesterday. If you haven't listened to it, if you haven't seen it, please go and do so. 21 minutes, which is a, a pretty long review given my usual standards reacting to Chelsea games. But there was a lot to get into regarding the, the negative result, the performance, the worries around Graham Potter, the feeling around Graham Potter, the future of Chelsea. So a lot to delve into. And then sort of after uploading that video and after seeing some of your responses to it, started to get some stuff in some Chelsea WhatsApp groups that seemed to where it sort of emanated yesterday that people believed that Graham Potter had been sacked or, or Chelsea were preparing to release a statement that he'd been sacked this morning. That did not happen. And I think a reason people felt it was going to happen was that training had been cancelled or there was no training for two days, which is sometimes a sign that a coach is going to be sacked. That wasn't the case. They were already going to prepare for a couple of days off training, um, which of course is, has annoyed some people based on the results recently. Why are the players not in training? Why aren't they doing shooting drills right now? But then we got this piece by Matt Law. So it wasn't a breaking, it wasn't an Ornstein dagger. Instead, it was a piece of why Graham Potter is still Chelsea's head coach and why he still has the backing of the Chelsea hierarchy, despite the fact that Chelsea have only won two games in their last 14. It's a really good piece. It's one of those classic Matt Law pieces, a lot of good detail, well-sourced as you'd expect. And I, I don't want to go through all of it, as I do with all the pieces I speak about on this show. Link in the description box below. Please go and check it out. Uh, but I just want to pick up certain things uh, to kind of correct myself on on something I said in my review yesterday that was critical. And then also just like general context because there are different sections to this. It's five reasons. So he does go through quite a lot in here. Um, I think makes sense. But of course, you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to buy everything. But I think it, it's fair this morning uh, with other stuff I've seen to, to listen to these arguments and to listen to these reports and take them into account when you're thinking about what's going on at Chelsea at the moment I think that's the fair thing to do the first thing regards sort of Graham Potter resting a lot of key players on Saturday I was quite critical that why was Reese James not playing why was Thiago Silva not playing it's mentioned here that of course Kai Havertz Raheem Sterling and Mikhailo Mudrik did not start the game they came off uh, the bench in the second half and the reason was was because the medical team had told Graham Potter that they risk significant injury if they were to start the game. So, and and as Matt Law points out, which for James Silver, Havertz and Mudrick would have been the third in a week. So the third game in a week, that is. So Graham Potter did not put his kind of, I guess, himself first in this situation. He listened to that medical advice. Chelsea have had severe injury problems, not only this season, but for a number of seasons, particularly when you look at a player like Reese James, the amount of setbacks he's had in the few, past few seasons. They don't play. Some of them are not even in the squad and he pays the price of a bad result. Don't think that means that the players that were out there weren't good enough to beat the worst team in the league, but still there's some context there. So I just wanted to say that because I, I did say actually in my review yesterday, I can't believe that Graham Potter would just 
willingly do that you know in terms of just do that without any serious evidence in front of him and it seems like that that was the case another one regards sort of his demeanor that has been criticized his lack of emotion his lack of intensity and this is reported by by matt law that senior sources insist there have been a number of instances the 47 year old has become upset and having tough conversations with players in a dressing room and during individual meetings. Potter is described as being intense at Cobham and there are, there are no fears over his mentality or concerns he is being swallowed up by the job. I said this last week and I, I, I will keep on saying this because we don't know, I, I said this with the Emma Hayes thing, right? Because I saw the Emma Hayes video a few weeks ago doing the rounds and I'm sure it probably will be again. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes and I think that's a very general point we can make around head coaches, whatever head coach we speak about. And and as fans, we only get a short glimpse of that. The most important in terms of results and performances and matches that actually take place. But in terms of the, the public stance and the way that coaches present themselves in press conferences with a media team behind them too and also on the touchline where they're in public view. It's, I think sometimes it can be a little bit simplistic to take that and then go from there and say, well, he's, he's failing behind the scenes. Now, Graham Potter's demeanour on the touchline hasn't been radically different in recent years at Brighton. It wasn't radically different at, at Ostersons, you know, but he got some good results there as well. And I think at the start of his time at Chelsea, some people were commenting about his press conferences not being as uh, entertaining and as engaging as Thomas Tuchel, which is very hard to follow. Thomas Tuchel is one of the best speakers I've ever heard um, talk about football and talk about coaching and talk about tactics. But when we were winning, not many people were talking about his demeanour on the sideline. Um, it was quite clear that once results turned, people would point to that. But I think once again, bring this into the conversation. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, if senior sources are insisting that, that could, you know, I know some people will just sort of brush it off as nice PR. You can say that that's, that's what it is. But again, I think that's quite interesting that there could be another side to this that we're not seeing. And of course, it's hard to buy things like that because results on the pitch have been so woeful and performances on the pitch at, at times have been really woeful and lacking that energy. So it's very easy. I, I can understand why fans would not buy that or at least look at the situation and, and, and come to a conclusion that he isn't having a, an, at least an effect, whatever it is. He's not having a transformative effect on the players. Whether you think he can be intense behind the scenes or not, he's not having an effect on the players. The final thing to sort of touch on here that I did find interesting was that uh, Potter sort of taking a risk by coming to Chelsea in the sense that he was at a very stable job at Brighton. His stock was incredibly high back in September. I remember for months before that, people not related to Chelsea were talking about he's eventually, is he going to get a big job? Is he going to take the England job? Because we were months away from the World Cup and people were talking about if Gareth Southgate fails at the, at the World Cup, would he replace Gareth Southgate in the England position? So, you know, again, I think there's been a lot of revisionism and I think at times very bad faith takes on Potter's previous work that Chelsea just appointed some random guy who was battling relegation and we just got him out of nowhere and, and he had nothing before that sort of gave a, sort of a belief that he could go to a, a bigger club and, and excel. Um, that was always a risk, as I spoke about extensively yesterday, in terms of that, that being a risk and a, a culture change and an expectation change compared to being Brighton, Swansea, Austin's head coach to being Chelsea head coach and, and the scrutiny that comes with that. But it was a risk because he had a very stable job. And I think Nini FC, who did a great uh, video today, really explaining, you know, talking about Matt Law's piece as well, that I definitely suggest you go and watch. Sort of brought up this point that, you know, people have pointed out uh, Graham Potter's wages that he's getting at the moment. 
I don't really want to hear anything about wages regarding Chelsea because we have been paying wages to some players in recent years who haven't been performing anywhere close to the level you'd expect from that player. Um, but just on a separate point Nini made is that to get Graham Potter out of Brighton, to not only pay the release clause to get him, but to convince him to commit to going to Chelsea, which is a risk, even if you say it's, you know, it, it's, it's a massive opportunity for him. To get him out of there, you've got to, as with any deal, as with a player you're trying to sign, you've got to give them a good deal, an incentive to come to your club. And part of that was a bigger wage, of course. Um, but it was a risk. And, and I think that they go in, Matt Law also goes into sort of the structural sort of problems and, and the big sort of um, challenge that the new ownership have of of bringing in a recruitment team, of changing the squad, of changing things, of, of improving things, of, of bringing in their type of people to run the club the way they want to. And to expect all of that to be done in under a year is, of course, unrealistic. Um, I don't think that this piece changes everything I said yesterday that was critical of Graham Potter. And I don't think that you should read this and think, well, all my criticisms can just be thrown to the side now. I do think if we're going by the assumption that he is at least going to be in charge for the, for the Spurs game, I really don't think screaming hashtag Potter out all week is going to do you much good. I mean, I, I think there are better things you could be doing. You know, Hogwarts Legacy is out. You can go and play that. Um, I, I don't think the new Ant-Man film is that good, to be fair. But, you know, you could go and watch that. You could you could go do a lot of things and spend your time wisely. Um, and we can have that conversation next Sunday in the Spurs game. Um but I think it gave context and I definitely suggest go and read it, have an open mind. I think John McKenzie of TFO Football did a, a breakdown sort of giving another side to the conversation of, of looking at the data behind Chelsea. Um, again, if you're someone that just rejects data, I don't really know what to say, but I think it's it's an interesting way of looking at recent performances and why things may not be as bleak as they feel. Um, you know, so I'd, I'd say, you know, have an open mind but I absolutely understand why people feel negative right now and why I feel negative right now because how can you be happy cheery when you're watching us lose in that fashion um so I just found it an interesting piece and and as I say I think good reporting from Matt Law Hardy's signature Frisco burger and Frisco breakfast sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun only at Hardy's goodness in the making participation may vary the second thing to speak about today is David Ornstein in, in The Athletic, his weekly column. Here he's talking about how Mason Mount uh, contract talks are on hold. And he talks about, you know, the interested parties in Mason Mount sort of situation and maybe trying to buy from uh, Chelsea in the upcoming months. He said the interested parties may be encouraged to learn that currently talks about extending Mount's Chelsea career have been paused. And given the need for Graham Potter's men to focus on finishing well in the top flight and Europe, they are not expected to resume now until the summer. Once the season has ended and the conversations are picked up, Mount will have 12 months left and Chelsea's intention is to secure the academy graduate on fresh terms or approve a sale. So I think I mentioned this kind of this point of, of this Chelsea hierarchy being a little bit more ruthless a lot more ruthless over player contracts and that you know I, I think Adam Newsom brought this up as well that you know sometimes and I think you're not just talking about Mason Mount we're talking about a lot of players here I don't think this new ownership is going to he hesitate at times to sell players if they aren't signing, signing a new contract they do not want to have a situation like they had on their hands when they picked up the Rudiger and Christensen situation where they were already gone. The Kante and Jorginho problem they faced this season still hasn't been resolved with Kante. Of course, Jorginho has now been sold on. I think that's the that was the best way they could have solved the situation. But in terms of Mason Mount, um, you hear differing things at the moment. You hear one week it can be sort of negative. 
the next week you hear things have, have kind of gone in a more positive direction it's understandable why maybe for both parties it's waiting till the end of the season but also i think you if we focus more on the player side of things here mason mount has had a very difficult season he has had a very poor season despite some decent form at the very beginning or, or the early weeks of graham potter's time it's been nowhere near the standards that Mason Mount has set previously for Chelsea. He is nowhere near and he doesn't look, he looks a shadow of the player that he was under Thomas Tuchel in the spring of 2021 periods last season that made him such a, a key figure for Chelsea. And he looks like a player that you could you could accuse of look, maybe looking worn down by the amount of games he's had to play, of, of a player who looks lost uh, for, for sort of the next step in his development. So for him as a player, uh, for him what he wants next in his career, that is also a big part of the conversation. It's not just about Chelsea wanting to keep a player and they get to keep that player. As with anything, it's also the player side of things. But there also is a reality, despite some of the harshest critics of Mason Mount, that if he does leave Chelsea this summer... I think the likelihood is he's only going to a few clubs and, and those clubs are clubs who Chelsea would like to be competing with in the Premier League. The likes of Liverpool who have shown consistent interest, the likes of Manchester City. He would move to one of those clubs, which kind of shows you about the the level he is regarded at in, inside the game, despite a difficult start to this season and a difficult season that is turning out to be a bad one for him at Chelsea, his worst in a Chelsea shirt. But people have seen his potential and seen what he's done so I still think it's very important that Chelsea get this deal over the line and keep Mason Mount because I just think the evidence of the past three seasons outweighs what I've seen this year but that doesn't mean that Mount I think needs to have the next step in his development and I think needs to have his position clarified and of course that isn't all down to him as a player I think because there's been so much chopping and changing this season that I think has been difficult for a lot of players to to sort of wrestle with. But for him, hopefully that can be resolved. But as I say, and I'll say this with a lot of players, I don't think they're going to mess around because with a squad of 33 players, it's got to be chopped down in the summer massively. And no matter who the head coach is, no head coach should be dealing with a squad of 33 players. It's just absolutely insane. So you, we need to chop that down. And if this new ownership who is looking to get an investment, who've just spent an awful lot of money on new additions, um, I'm not saying I want to sell Mason Mount. I think it'd be very sad to see Mason Mount go. But you've also got to factor in that I don't think this new ownership is going to wait around. And, and you know, if they can see value in the market, I think they will be a lot more brutal, which I think is harshly the sentiment aside I think is the right way to go about things and I think wasn't the way Chelsea were going about things in recent years which is why we saw one year left on deals for some key players which which created their own problem so those are my thoughts on Graham Potter those are my thoughts on Mason Mount let me know yours in the comments below and I will see you again very soon all the best Podcast Network.